1995, OutKast won the Source Award for Best New Group. This win prompted boos from the crowd, but it also signaled to the world that Big Boy and Andre 3000 had just ushered in a wave of music that would change the musical landscape for years to come. Dr. Regina N. Bradley's Chronicling Stankonia, The Rise of the Hip Hop South, details how music, literature, and film takes a critical eye to the post-civil rights movement rule book and the expectations for those raised in the 80s and 90s. Dr. Bradley talks with us about the song that ultimately pulled her into the outcast universe, her refusal to place whiteness in conversation with Black Southern literature, and how a Google Hangout with her friends sparked the beginnings of this brilliant book. Stay with us on the next episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Denny. And I am Veronica. And today we are joined with a very, 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 very special, brilliant, talented, amazing writer. Uh, We are joined with uh, Dr. Regina N. Bradley. Um, I'm going to read two bios because I found the bio from her website but then I found another bio and I just like I have to read this one because it is the most beautiful thing I've ever (laughs) read before and this was a special a special one that was written um Dr. Regina M. Bradley she is a child of the red clay a tender of both ancestral and contemporary lineages. That was written by the Honoré Fanon Jeffress. (laughs) I found that going through your Twitter feed and I just just stopped and read it and I'm just like, damn, one sentence. I hope somebody would write something like that about us. I know, right? Oh, that (laughs) is just genius. But that's what happens when you have writers like that floating in your life. But um. The details of Dr. Bradley. Mm. Uh, Dr. Bradley is an award-winning writer and researcher of the Black American South. She is an alumna of the Nasir Jones Hip Hop Fellow, Associate Professor of English and African Diaspora Studies at Kennesaw State University, faculty editor for Southern Cultures Journal, and co-host of the critically acclaimed Southern Hip Hop podcast, Bottom of the Map with music journalist Christina Lee, a prominent public voice and leading scholar on contemporary Southern Black life and hip hop culture. Dr. Bradley's work has been featured on a range of media outlets, including Netflix's hip hop docuseries, Hip Hop Evolution, Washington Post, NPR, and Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Dr. Bradley is the author of the critically acclaimed book, Chronicling Stankonia, The Rise of the Hip Hop South. Chronicling Stankonia explores how Atlanta, Georgia hip hop duo Outkast and hip hop influences the culture of the Black American South and the long shadow of the civil rights movement. Chronicling Stankonia was named one of the books uh, all Georgians should read in 2022. 
It is it was our book of the month for nonfiction in October. And she is also the editor of An Outcast Reader, a collection of essays about outcasts. She is currently working on her first novel, Reluctant Ancestors, about the disappearance of a teenage Black boy in Southwest Georgia. Thank you again for joining on our podcast to talk about your book. How are you doing Welcome today? Welcome to our show. <laughs> Oh, what's up? What's up? What's going? What's going on? Yeah, Honoré didn't have to do me like that. I literally was a bag of water for at least two days after that. So. <laughs> I hope you get that like on a shirt, on a tote bag. On I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. You know, book blurb. I'm gonna have to ask her if I can use it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would get that tattooed on me, but that's just me. Um, yeah, but before no, we no. start, I'm going to pass it off to Denny. She's got some questions to ask you before we get down to the nitty gritty about the book. I mean, Ooh, fanciful. I'm scared. I <laughs> this is this is also the nitty gritty. Um, so you know, this is a consensus question. What are your top five favorite out outcast songs? Oh, okay. Uh, psh, wasn't ready for that one. Um, <laughs> in due time, liberation. Uh, bombs over Baghdad. The actual Equimini song itself. Uh, this one. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little wretched for it, but I don't care. I really, really love Hootie Who. <laughs> you I do, man. But you, you spit those, those, uh, those they, songs out. They, like, you know, those, those are the ones that I go to, but, uh, yeah, in due time and liberation, those those battle for my favorite one. But today, it's it's in due time is my favorite song today. But tomorrow might be liberation. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is a, a a question from a friend. <laughs> oh, I'll ask this one. Hi. Um, uh, House of Martell spinoff. Are we still standing in line in the picket? Yes, with a picket sign. I have, I have so many. Like, I, I mean, okay, so, like, when it finally started picking up, House of the Dragons was the shit. It was, I was like, okay, I mean, like, incest aside, you know what I'm saying? It made Cersei and Jamie look like, <laughs> like, a, like a fucking after-school Disney special compared to, oh, just like, uh, that's gross. You're marrying your brother and your sister. That's nasty. <laughs> um... Yeah, but I was like, no, I'm ready for House of Martell. Like, I there's, there's so much tea there, like, so much tea that just just supposed to be good TV. I'm I'm ready. I don't want the Jon Snow spinoff. I don't care. I want Dorn. That's what I want. That's just a show. Just Dorn. Would you want the prequel or would you want the? I want happened? all of it. I want seasons. I want season one to be the prequel before the prequel. I want season two to be the one with the Sand Sisters. I want season. Three. I just all of it. <laughs> Have you been watching House of the Dragons? Did were you satisfied with with this? show i was satisfied with the last three episodes if that yeah. makes sense yeah okay all right yeah yeah i really mm -hmm. didn't like i mean i felt like um i didn't like the time jumps because if you weren't for i mean like if you don't read you know george rr R. martin a lot of us don't read george rr R. martin you know how we do we just like make our own thing up then it was hard to it was hard to follow um the time jumps or whatever but i'm like once they found their you know <laughs> once they found that stride i was like oh okay let's do it <laughs> all right next question you have gone on to the twitter um by stating that seinfeld and living single are your comfort shows name uh, your favorite characters from 
each of those shows and why? Um, all right. So I also should have put King of the Hill. That's my that's my other shit. That's my <laughs> shit. Um my favorite character, I mean, all right, so my favorite character on Seinfeld. <laughs> like the more I watch it, the more I'm like, none of y'all are likable. <laughs> I mean, like, like they're just they just not. Um I don't have a favorite character, believe it or not. I mean, like, I'm an equal opportunity hater. I just, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I like, it's weird. I like the show, but I'm not, like, rooted for anybody. I mean, like, if I had to say the one I liked, you know, disliked the the, the least. Okay. Um. Yeah, see, I got to think about it. I, I didn't even. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I mean, Jerry, probably. Jerry's the one I disliked the least. Yes. The one I dislike, I dislike the most is Elaine. She is like the ultimate Karen. Like as, as I'm walking, like when I watch, I'm just like, see, this is some bullshit. This is some bullshit right here. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That episode to- alone where she was dating the guy and she didn't know what race he was. Yeah, that was that was wild, yo. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I just. Yeah, she's the ultimate Karen. I can mm. see that definitely. Oh, yeah, but that's my that's my show. Um, Living single clearly is Khadija. Khadija <laughs> <laughs> is my favorite. Khadija is my favorite, probably because there's a little too much overlap between how much we are, you know, alike. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on King of the Hill, my favorite character is probably uh, Dale. Oh, Dale. Yes. Dale. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. a really good show, especially with all it of it. Aged, it's aged really well. Like, it's kind of like, I, you know, like I was talking to my husband um, like last week we were watching it and I was like, babe, do you think that Hank will be a Trumper? And he was like, no, nah, I don't think he'd be a Trumper. I think he's like a true blue Republican who's like, no, nah, he's this, you know. <laughs> These are questions that we talk about in my house. Like, will yeah. he'll be a Trumper. <laughs> That's, those are important questions. But valid. valid, valid points. Yes. You yes. got to explore characters. You got to critique what you love, right? So you got to know. I mean, you know, I just feel like I just feel like Hank's too much of a conservative to be a Trumper. I just he you probably know. be like, "What is this? Who is this? What yeah. is Who is this? Why? Why? Party, this? I know. Like, 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 <laughs> this beyond this is beyond me." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when when I first came upon you and your work, it was during a three part conversation hosted by the University of Alabama, and the guests included Derek Herrero, Kiesa Raymond, and you. And I was able to make it to two out of the three. Uh, conversations oh okay only to to leave upset that I had missed out on the very the very first one the very very first one but what I was able to take away was that I was blown that I did not know who you were until that moment and you can ask Denny I literally would talk about you like every other day and and your book when it came out I'm like we got to talk to her you know we got to have this conversation and when you slid into my DMs when when I was I was offended I was offended I was like all of these people all my people have been on the vulgar geniuses and I'm like am I not vulgar enough like what do I (laughs) Like what do I what do I got to do? She's seen my Twitter timeline, you know what I'm saying? So it I was just, hilarious to me because I'm like the draft had been sitting in my 
in my email for a long time. I was just so nervous to send you the email because I was like, she might say no. She might not want to come on our show. I don't know. To get that message, I was just like, okay, okay, let me stop and shoot my shot. And I'm so grateful for for having you on. This is a, a really big deal. And um, so I, w- I just want to say thank you uh, for this piece of art that you've created. Oh, thank you. It just, it allows outsiders. Like me. Like Dickie. <laughs> and, and, and like me, even though it is something that I, I grew up listening to Outcast, that, you know, it is not in the level as a lot of people who like really dove into their work and to so to sit there and read your work it was like a a great thing oh thank you thank you so much and and you know like when she said that she would tell me that that you she wanted to talk to you I'm like so have you sent the email have you sent the email like every time that was my only response have you sent the email right you'd be like yeah yeah I would do it I, like let, let me just let me just let me just do this up until like you you know you finally be like hey hello <laughs> what do I do what, what do I you know I'm just curious I'm just curious I'm like this is one of the one of the shows I actually wanted to do <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like I'm ready like I'm, I'm ready I, I I don't know if I'm ready for the questions but I'm ready yeah we, we're ready <laughs> But like Veronica was saying, thank you for this piece of art that allows outsiders like me to learn and educate myself further about hip hop and its significance to the South. Um, we would like to know what was the driving force in creating chronic- Chronicling Stanconia, The Rise of Hip Hop. Um, so what had happened was... <laughs> yes, we're ready, <laughs> ready, ready, Freddy. I mean, all right, so no, like, like real shit. What happened was, um, you know, there's there's a lot of folks writing about hip hop. There's a lot of folks that theorize about its significance and its impact, you know what I'm saying? And um, nobody wanted to talk about the South, which mm-hmm. as a Southerner puts me in my feelings. Like, you know, why aren't we the center of conversation? Um, we don't. But <laughs> so it was like, um, Chronicles Stankonia actually started, um, Back in, you know, I, had, I mean, I've been thinking about Outcast pretty much my whole life, but I was at an academic conference with, you know, with friends and colleagues and in uh, 2014 and um, people were excited about the celebration of the 20th anniversary of Illmatic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm like, so they're like, it's going to be at the Kennedy Center and, you know, it's going to be a live orchestra, woo woo And like most of these folks are from New York, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, yeah, that's cool and everything, but I mean, Outcast turns 20 this, this year, you know? what's up and then you know folks come to it like that oh that's right like I hate when people do that like like oh that's right um so then I was like you know um let me let's let's do something to like pay tribute to pay homage you know what I'm saying um so I hit up some of my you know I intentionally like I said I'm petty I intentionally hit up majority of my southern black friends and were like Yo, let's get on Google Hangout. Let's record it and let's talk about why Outcast is is, is important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the first episode was PSA. Of <laughs> 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 uh, you know, PSA is like my partner in crime. That's 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 my that's my big cuz. You know what I'm saying? And and um, I I love him to death. He's absolutely one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, 
And, you know, started with Kiese and then, you know, I started reaching out to some of my other friends, Amani Perry, you know what I'm saying, Andrea Robinson, uh, Heidi, Heidi Renee Lewis. I was like, yo, let's, let's have these conversations. What was supposed to be like 10 episodes ended up being like fucking 40, 40 mm-hmm. episodes. Um, but I was really starting to think more seriously about it. I was like, you know, there needs, this needs to be a book, which is like, ironically, that's where the Outcast reader came from. A lot of the folks who are on Outcasted Conversations contributed essays to the reader, right? Um, but I was like, I need to do my own thing too. And I was like, well, nobody is talking about region. Nobody is talking about Southern hip hop, um, extensively talking about Southern hip hop. Let me put it like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I was like, well, that's what I'm gonna do. Cause that's what I, that's what I enjoy. That's what I love. That's that, that, you know, has such a significant meaning to me as a Southerner, you know what I'm saying? But to make sure that that perspective is recorded and, and discussed, you know, correctly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's a product list ain't going to get started. It took a long time to write it. Um, any author would tell you it takes forever to write a book because, you know, I'm a perfectionist though. I'm a perfectionist that has anxiety disorders. So it was like, am I doing this right? Am I, you know, and I wasn't really even thinking about the Academy when I was writing this book. I don't know if that came across. Um, I was thinking about like my friends, my people, the folks I was sitting around cafeteria tables with, like, did you listen to this? Nah, like the folks you couldn't have, like you couldn't be part of the conversation if you were only listening to radio cuts. You know what right. I'm saying? It was like, right. no, we can tell, we can tell. It's like, you know, we know your ass is only listening to the radio. Get out, this, this ain't even your type of conversation, right? Like you don't want to be shamed. You don't want to be shamed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, it was just like, you know, it's it's something that that means a lot to me. And I wanted to make sure that I, paid homage but also you know gave them that critical framework that they deserve their work deserves it I totally agree I'm just curious you said that you know you're a perfectionist in in your work when did you know when writing your book that you were ready you were like okay it's done let me let it go when my friend said stop fucking around and submit the book (laughs) (laughs) so you would be that friend like yeah I mean like you know I got (laughs) <laughs> I'm really fortunate to have really amazing ass friends. I mean, you know, and I was like, I was actually um on vacation with my husband in the in uh the Bahamas. I was writing and he's like, We're in the Bahamas. Like, what what? <laughs> I was like, I need to finish this book. Uh, so I literally bought my work bag, computer and everything. So like he was out like drinking and <laughs> Like, I'm gonna go enjoy the breeze. I'm gonna enjoy, you know, I'm gonna enjoy being in the Bahamas. And meanwhile, I have like the wind, like I have like the door open in our room and the breeze was perfect. And I'm just writing. I'm just like, I gotta um, and then you know, I got back and I told them, I'm like, all right, I'm back. And they were like, all right, stop bullshit, submit it, submit. And I and they they wanted a screenshot, they wanted proof. They were like, let me see. <laughs> so I could I was like, yeah, I, I submitted it, I submitted it, and they were like, No, I want a screenshot, let me see. <laughs> they need it proof receipts receipts <laughs> yeah so it's, it's it's good to have it's good to have a you know <laughs> friends that will have friends yeah it's good for friends that i get back because i mean like i wouldn't have submitted it but they were like no it's time stop playing and we're so glad that you did because yeah um, your your intro your intro um to outcast happened around the same time that i really began to get tuned into their music uh, mm. 
1998. I was a sophomore in college sitting in the basketball games at FAMU. Listen oh, okay. The drum line and everybody play um, Spotty Adi Doppelicious. And the entire stadium getting hype as we all collectively saying, damn, 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 damn. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and this section reminded me of uh, when my best friend was telling me of his story of when he first fell in love with hip hop after hearing a car go past his house playing Beastie Boys' Paul Revere. What was the song that pulled you in to this southern, this new southern sound of hip hop? First of all, I didn't know that you were you were one of the folks that was from the hill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know, I mean, like I went to Florida State for my for my PhD, but I taught. Oh, yeah. I taught I taught it, fam. Um, but before that, you know what I mean? I was at Albany State. So we were in Tallahassee damn near every weekend at Bajas. So there's that. <laughs> uh, Bajas was the spot, man. And yes. Bajas and the fairground. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It, was, yes. it, was, it was the fairground. It was the thriller. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, you mean just like hip hop in general or like? outcast yeah, I, mean, I, I want to go with outcast in this one okay um i mean it was black ice i mean mm -hmm. i said that in the, it was black ice i mean it's a goodie mob song but i mean like they were they were the feature and i was just like who the hell are you like who who are these dudes like what is what is this <laughs> um i mean like black ice made every single radio mixtape i made that summer it was like it didn't even matter if i had it on the tape like if i heard it i still recorded it you know what I'm saying? I was just like, you know, it is. <laughs> um, it was that, and then probably for me too, it was probably Spodiody Dopalicious. I mean, like it was, you know, especially, especially the first time I heard my high school band play it, mm -hmm. and then I heard Albany State's band play it. I was like, oh my god, this is like, this is it, right? Now, um, what about was, hip hop in general? Like, how is that your number one to go to everything? That's mm -mm, not my number one hip hop song in general. I mean, like, I feel like the song that I fell in love with just hip hop in general was Lil Kim. No mm -hmm. time. Yes. Yes. It was no time. I mean, like, you know, I had listened to hip hop before that, you know what I'm saying? But it was like, I heard, I was just like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I heard it, you know what I'm saying? I was in middle school. Um, I was getting bullied really bad, you know what I mean? And it was like all the popular girls were like, it was almost like they were like a mob, you know what I'm saying? Like they, it's almost like they, they took over the whole hallway and dared you to like try to move through them. And they were just like, you know what I'm saying? Rapping, no time for fake niggas. I was like, I too don't want no time. <laughs> um. Yeah, Lil' Kim started something for me. It was really, you know, and then, um, you know, moved to the South. You know what I mean? It was Trina. Trina and Missy. Trina, Trina talk about I'm the baddest bitch. And I'm like, I too yes. want to be the baddest bitch. Like, how? How do I be the baddest bitch? Um, <laughs> especially as a church girl. You know what I mean? Like, I was being right. I was living with my grandparents, you know what I mean? Who were very much uh, church going folks. You know what I'm saying? My dad was a preacher. So it was kind of like you know, it was all church, everything. And it was just like, well, how do I, you know, like, cause I'm the baddest bitch. And I'm like, I too want to be the baddest bitch, even if it's just for like four minutes or some change. Like, let me, <laughs> let me figure this out. Let me figure this, you know, let me figure this shit out. And it was just like, you know, with Missy, I mean, I had been in love with Missy since like the super friends, you know what I mean? So it was, 
you know, but when, you know, hearing her talking about like, you know, minute men and, and, you know, get your freak on. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a good, clean Christian girl. How can I do that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretend I can pretend to get my freak on. Like I can pretend, you know what I mean? I mean, shit, I was still hunching, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if your audience is old enough to understand what hunching means, but I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? I thought I was doing something, but mm-hmm. they can Google it. Now, how were you? Yeah, were you, you know, you know. a hold of all of that music considering the people who were surrounding you. Touch. Well, it's weird, man, because my grandparents, um, they were, they were strict, but they still let me live my life. If that makes sense. It was like, you know, the three rules at my house were, if I go out on Saturday night, I had to go to church Sunday morning, like Sunday school. Why not like regular service, like Sunday school, which at my church started at 830. So it was like, you know what I mean? So it was like that was that was the first rule. The second rule was like, you know, I didn't I didn't give them a reason not to trust me until, you know, I got the first boyfriend. But that's a whole different show. Um <laughs> Um, you know that and then and then third was like you know what i'm saying just you know be honest with them like tell them what's going on you know what i'm saying and my and my grandparents i really i really do love them for that even though they had like an extremely tight leash they still let me go and do shit it was like yeah you can go to the party you can go to the football game you know there's there's certain stuff i couldn't do you know what i'm saying like one of the things i automatically come to mind for me is you know there was this overnight uh y2k party at the youth rec center you know what i'm saying and like all of my friends were going and my grandma and I was like, nah, you coming to watch night. And I'm like, no, see. <laughs> now, for those who are listening that don't know what watch night service Yeah. Is. Oh, God, watch night. You are at church and you ringing in the new year. Like, what's wild is that my church was in the hood, yo. So it was like, as soon as like midnight hit, it was just like, let us pray. Pop, pop, pop. pop, pop, pop. <laughs> It was like in Jesus' name, pop, 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 amen. Yeah, and it's kind of like you know, you like trying to like peek to make sure. Do I need to like duck? (laughs) Yeah, so I was so mad. I was like, I was trying to like negotiate all the way to to church. I was like, all right, what if we do watch night and then I can go to the party after that? And they were like, no. Oh, I mean, you know, yeah, man. Shout out to Sarah and Eugene Barnett, man. Always, always <laughs> name the, always name the ancestors. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, had to go to I remember I graduated. I ain't have to go to watch night service no more. That was. I mean, it's a real thing, man. When you be raised in the church and you finally get free, you be like, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pencil y'all in. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm gonna be a heathen on Sunday sometime. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just sleep in. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, you know, what can you do? <laughs> you wake up, a, you wake up at eight to be ready for eight thirty. That's what you do. Nah, yeah. man, we lived in the okay, yeah, okay. So like, when 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 the new book comes out, y'all will understand my my pain. Okay, because we lived out in the country, so we had to get up like early. So if like I had to be in Sunday school at 8 30, that means I was up at seven. Y'all had to drive into town or you just had yeah, to man, it was like it was literally listen, my folks would be like, oh I'm I'm going to town. Do you want some? Like <laughs> what? We we were just talking about that yesterday. We yeah. we drove we we were somewhere in Tampa somewhere going home. Going home to <laughs> Oh yes. 
when we we had got to diverted Lake County in Florida and went a different way because it said that I four was backed up. We needed to go a different way, and we were uh -huh. driving through this area and it wasn't nothing out there. Oh yeah, and I'm like, they got to go to town. <laughs> you got to get, go to town, get groceries and all that kind of shit. It's like yes, you yeah. My my friends hated me. Like you know, me and my friends, we would have like go to each other's house and just kick it. You know what I mean? They used to hate it when it was my turn to kick it because they were like. <laughs> You take all my goddamn gas money. I was like, look, look, look. I'm sorry that my folks live out in East Bubblefuck, Georgia. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I mean, like only only the country folks were related to this shit. It's like you have the city and then you have the county. Yes, county. We lived in the county. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. Albany, of, you know, Albany is the city. We lived in Doherty County. <laughs> county. Uh, the oh, county. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know, you know, country folks stand up, man. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be acting like I'll be here by myself. Don't hate Lake County. Don't hate Lake County. <laughs> Me and Miss Gina would, would be county girls. <laughs> yeah, county. It's the county. Yeah. <laughs> so you used outcast discography to illustrate the social political atmosphere and condition of the south post-civil rights movement what was it like to do all of that research and what 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 were the things that you had to consider when comparing outcast lyrics and the realities that are happening to the south Ooh. um to me that was the most amazing thing i just wanted you to know so thank you um because my biggest my biggest concern was that it would just read like a whole lot of album reviews and I was like I don't want to do that no man um, it, it didn't thank you thank you so so I mean like it was literally like you know some there were some some months when I was writing that I think that was the last chapter that I actually finished was that outcast the actual outcast chapter because I was like how do I connect these albums together and not make it seem like I'm just reviewing them for a Mac? You know what I'm saying? Reviewing them just be like, oh, and then this happened on this album. And I'll just like, nah, I need to, I need to figure it out because, you know, I don't want it to sound like that. So I was like, what is it? Like, what's happening on each album? You know what I mean? That was the first question I asked myself. I'm like, what's happening on each album? And then I was like, well, what was going on? Not only in their in their career, but what was going on in the South that I was like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I mean, like, it took. It took years to write that chapter, if that makes sense. I mean, like, it took years because it was, I mean, like, that thing changed so many times. It was like, I'm going to do this. No, nah, I ain't going to do that no more. I'm going to do this. No, nah, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> it was like, how do I, how do I work through that? Um, But I, but the thing that I noticed because I was listening to these albums over and over and it was like, it was a joy to listen to the album. Like, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like it was work for me. It was just like, listen and take notes or I would talk to, you know I'll talk to friends about like I mean a lot of a lot of my theorization comes from me just chopping it up with people that I I love and people that I know love the cast it was like well have you thought about this this and this and I was just like yeah I thought about that shit but I don't want to do that like I don't <laughs> I don't want to do that and you know some but most of the time it was like oh shit I did not think about that let me think about let me listen to the album through that perspective you know what I'm saying um and I think like the hardest like the hardest album to theorize in that chapter is probably Equimini for me. Because mm -hmm. um, it's my favorite. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to, you know, it could have been its own chapter. You know what I mean? Like all of those could have been like their own chapters. But I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to write that type of book. You know what I'm saying? 
um maybe later but you know I didn't I didn't want to write that type of book so there was that aspect of it and then like the research part of it once I figured out what I was trying to what I was listening for the research part came easy for me it was like oh, okay you gotta do this this and this um something that I tell you know folks all the time is that there is so little scholarship out on southern hip-hop like it you know what I mean and like there are very few citations so a lot of it was me just making up the shit as I go I was like oh, okay well let's think about it from this perspective let's think about it from that perspective you know what I'm saying so um I think it was having the confidence to be able to do that is probably why it took so long to write that chapter you know what I'm saying I used to have nightmares about that shit like <laughs> like one of like the most prominent nightmares I had was that Andre Benjamin, Andre 3000 read that chapter and was like, this is lies, all lies. And I couldn't <laughs> sleep for days. I was like, babe, babe, Andre don't like my work. And he was like, <laughs> what? I was like, babe, you don't like, you don't like the work. He said, it's lies. It's all lies. <laughs> but you know what? I would be thinking about the same way. Like for real, like real talk. Cause I'd be like, You've been writing about these people and their body of work. It's kind of like when we read books, we interpret a book a certain right. way. And then, but the author intended it to be a different way. And then when you talk to them, then you realize like, oh, you know, there's a, there's a misaligned, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. So I understand that like paranoia in your head would be like, what is yeah, that? Fresh? It was, it was real. I was, I mean, like I was terrified they were going to read it and they were going to sue me for like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this bitch out here lying on us about what they what she what she thinks she thinks that I work. <laughs> what she think I work me? Um, we ain't we ain't with that. I mean, like you know, there's that. I mean, you know, and just you know the books that I talked about too. I mean, you know, any I mean, like he is the sweetest man on the planet. Like he really is. I mean, like he's so approachable. Um. And so humble. I mean, like it's kind of terrifying actually talking to him because he's so genuine. Like he's he's so genuine that he sees through the bullshit, right? And he's so nice about it too. So it was like, you know, I I didn't I didn't talk to him like, like that when I was actually writing that chapter on Long Division. Mm -hmm. Um and it, and this was before he had um re um you know republished it, re redistributed it. Um so I was talking about, you know, I guess round one you know so I was like I'll talk about the first first edition um and then you know he read it he was like well how did you put this shit together I was at first I didn't know I'm like what you mean <laughs> oh I was like oh okay all right don't, don't be playing my emotions like that <laughs> um, but I mean like you know there, there's that and then you know Jasmine Ward is the greatest author ever like I will you know what I'm saying she's she's my favorite her and KSA are my absolute favorite authors and Mildred Taylor, and Mildred Taylor. Mildred Taylor is, you know what I'm saying? She does, you know, these folks, these these Southern-ass, Black-ass, wonderful-ass <laughs> Southern writers. Um, but, like, what was what was pissing me off about it was, like, so many people were trying to contextualize their writing and didn't want to acknowledge the Southernness of it. I'm like, how are you? I mean, you know, you see it in the book. I was, you know, I went off on William Faulkner. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? I said what I said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, you, I just, I just refuse to believe that you can use Faulkner to address why Jasmine is so dope. Like mm -hmm. it only acknowledges part of it, not the whole thing. They're like, oh, she's the, she's the heir to the Faulknerian throne. And I'm like, fuck the Faulknerian throne. She don't, 
she got her own throne. She's, you know, if we doing Game of Thrones shit, it's like Jasmine Ward, first of her name, you know? <laughs> yes. yes. Like first of her name, daughter of Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Mother of Black and Miles and Dragons. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> You know, thinking about what it meant to be poor and black in the post civil rights side, like that's the shit that just blows my mind. You know what I mean? And I feel like this is a ramp. I don't give a fuck. It's like I don't understand why Southern black writing and Southern black art has to be put in conversation with white folks because it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think it does a huge disservice. I'm like because it makes it seem like we can't theorize our own shit or we can't appreciate what they're doing if we don't have a, a recognizable lens, right? And like whiteness is such a recognizable lens for so many people that if you take the whiteness out, which is what I intentionally did mm-hmm. with Chronically Stankonia, like I tried to cite as few white people as possible. Right. <laughs> that was intentional. You know what I'm saying? It was intentional because I was trying to prove my point. I don't need whiteness to to glorify Southern black life, to show how complicated it is. You know what I mean? And I think that that was, you know, a critique from some of the folks who read the book. They were like, well, why don't you? I'm like, because I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I took this, this year to really explore, like if we were going to talk to somebody black that I wanted it to be connected back to the South, because that's, that's what raised me. That's what I know. Right. 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 Constantly being seen as this, especially living in the state of Florida as this Mm -hmm. place that is dumb. They don't know nothing. They can't Mm -hmm. do nothing. Right. And it's like, well, that is not everybody's reality. That's not what we all are living in. And you all are putting this narrative on this place that means so much more to the entire nation that we know it. Like this southernness that we have is what's holding up this this country. And people fail to realize that. And that is why I wanted to really talk to y'all about Mm -hmm. what it meant to be Black and Southern and a writer in this country. And I think you just hit it on the head. You know, it's like when people always want to say, oh, they're the, you know, they're the black version of this white person. I'm like, stop. Yeah. Stop. We got time for that. We don't. I don't mean like we don't. And honestly, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so, okay, so, you know, for real, it's like we, we don't care. Like, we don't, we don't care. Right. Uh, you're talking about Florida. I mean, shit, I'm in Georgia. How do you think we feel? <laughs> How do you think we feel? Uh, but I mean like no it's true it's like you know I think that's the thing and I think that's the thing I love about southern southern hip-hop the most is like we're in conversation with each other we don't have to have the exact same experiences but we are talking to one another right Right. um and we're talking to one another and it doesn't matter if you know what I'm saying um folks who ain't from where we at understand what we saying so like I tell my students I'm like you know so I'm from Albany which is in the southwest corner of the state right we have a very thick peculiar way of talking right like so when I get mad the Albanese really comes out you know what I'm saying um if two or three of me and my friends are gathered in Albanese name like my whole thing changes it's like you know I can be Dr. Bradley and everything like that but when Gina may come out you know what I'm saying it is what it is it was like oh I did you know what I'm saying all of the fitness and Aina and Donna <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Like I was talking to a student today who's from oh, I have a student in my class who's from who's from the Benny. And um we were just talking about like, you know, it's about to be Thanksgiving break here. So I was like, you going home but getting ready to eat, ain't it? He was like, shit, I'm about to go to the parents. That's what it's about to be. I said, I said, yeah. It's like, you know, I'm like, ain't a donor. <laughs> you ready to eat your you ready to eat your mama cooking them, ain't it? He was like, yeah. <laughs> So I mean, like you know, and it's and it's hilarious to me. It's like you know, it's it's folks underestimate us because they have these assumptions, right, right. And then you know, we got to smack that ass with the brilliance. You know what I'm saying? And then we don't even, you know, we don't even care. Like we're southern. We got home training. We don't have to like bust you over the head with the genius. We just do it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. We just do it <laughs> with the bless your bless your hearts attached to it. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of. Like, I mean, like you know, it's. I feel like on Twitter, I said this at least like once a week. I'm like, stop saying all Southerners. We're not the same. We're. Not, I hate that shit. Oh well, you know the South. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, don't come for us like that. You know what I'm saying? Be like, you know, y'all talking about white Southern people. Just say white Southern people. Yeah. <laughs> say yeah. their own unique thing. Right. I mean, like the joke that I will say on Twitter all the time is like, you know, especially being in Georgia, folks are talking about what a Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, like, she ain't no kidding to me. She don't speak for me. Mm-hmm. She don't speak for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Herschel Walker damn sure don't speak for me. Oh, He's yeah. from the United States is the best country. What? He's what? <laughs> the United States is the is the best something in this country i was like wait a minute i don't know but anyway i just he on another he's somewhere else <laughs> they have kidnapped him. <laughs> if you enjoyed it please get your ass out and vote we, i can't <laughs> yes <laughs> just get your ass out of vote <laughs> there's my there's my political spiel vote <laughs> Also, also our political spiel yes always always especially after you know the cheeto menace has announced he is trying he's, to come back he's yes we don't need it no, the world doesn't need it no it's almost like this motherfucker ain't never left it's like <laughs> oh yeah and they and the and the media has refused to have allowed him to leave I think mm-hmm. the only break that we got from him was the fact that he was no longer on Twitter, that we didn't have to be annoyed by the media talking about what he tweeted today. Right. Yeah. But, you know, the announcement, I think it should be a sign, the simple fact that if your daughter is like, oh, I'm not going to be a part of his campaign, then that should be like, you need to Which one? Up. Which daughter? Yeah, Ivanka. Well, Ivanka is being talked to by the feds. I wouldn't try to be associated <laughs> with his ass either. I'd be like, sorry, daddy. <laughs> I can't do it, daddy. Not this time. I can't not do this it. Time not, not this I mean, like, I'm I mean, I'm probably not gonna watch it, but I mean like Mike Pence is supposed to be. I'm like, I'm curious. I'm very I'm, clearly I know Mike Pence ain't gonna be his vice president. No. Clearly. But I'm curious. You know what I mean? He needs to bring back Flash on. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Flashon. That should be your kid. That should be your campaign partner. That should be your guy. Flashon. Oh my God. I think I've forgotten about that. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Ooh, what a, what a wow. time that was. What a time. We were like, you don't see this big ass fly. You don't how much product did you have in your hair? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, like, I mean, like the way that the fly was moving to you, like, oh, this is bullshit. I can't even move. You just I'm gonna have to wait. <laughs> I'm gonna have to wait till a commercial break. <laughs> Lashon 2024. <laughs> you heard here at first. 
That's right. Flash on 2024. <laughs> I'm gonna get that on the shirt and send it to you. <laughs> Tear. Okay, I made myself cry. That shit is great. <laughs> so Miss um, Gina May, Dr. Bradley. Um speaking of um our our mutual nightmare, um do the people of Outcast know about this book? Have they met you? Have you met them? Have you all told um, I so it's it's wow. I know people who know them, so they have said, I mean, like some of them have have um I sent their I sent the book to the their people, you know, celebrity. They got sent to their people. Yeah. So I think that they know that the book exists. I don't know if they've read it, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I just, you know, I just wanted to make sure that they knew, like they know that, you know, we they've made such a significant impact. I just wanted us to to make sure. But no, I haven't talked to nobody. No, I haven't talked to them directly. Um, you know, Andre 2000, he skipped me in Starbucks line one time at Perimeter Mall, but I didn't really realize it was him until my friend was like, you, you know who that is, right? Like, I'm just running my mouth. Like, I haven't seen, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him in a while. Like, I was talking to my friend Matt and I hadn't seen him in, or, um, in a while. And he was like, so, you know who just skipped you in line, right? And I was like, what are you talking about skipping me in line? And then I looked and I saw the overall, I saw the, you know, the wind break, the, I was like, oh shit. And then he looked and he was just like, oh, excuse me, Miss Lady. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> That's literally just an episode that aired in Atlanta's last season. Like going to the mall and just picking up a pretzel, paper boy. So you had a paper boy experience with Andre 2000. I mean, you know, but I mean, like I didn't have a chance to talk to him. I, apparently I, I need to hang out at the Whole Foods. Maybe he could be at the Whole Foods. So I gotta go on tour. I gotta go on the whole foods tour in Atlanta, just you know, post up. Or maybe I need to go sit in an airport on the on the northeastern seaboard and just wait to hear a flute. I'm like, I hear a flute. <laughs> One day you you two will have that opportunity. I know it's coming soon. That's you know, it, it is what it is. So yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if they're not readers, it's on it's on audio. I, I also listen, I listened to you talk. That was oh, did you? What'd you think? I feel I, I couldn't stand myself talking. I mean, like, I I don't see how folks do that as a as a living. That shit is is stressful. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it to because me, it me really, too. you could really feel what you were talking about mm-hmm. in your book. And I think that was that was the best way to read along with the book by listening to you. And mm-hmm. he, it, oh, you kick my foot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. To I, I, but I, I probably like I oh shit I will probably never read another book academic book I write ever again that shit was that shit was stressful it's stre- <laughs> it's different it's, like you know it's different when you get to be a nerd on paper you're like oh I'm gonna just like write this 55 word long ass sentence <laughs> because it's the academy and then it's something totally different when you gotta read that 55 word sentence out loud I mean, at one point, I remember I was like reading something. I was reading one of the sentences in like the chapter about slavery and the hip hop imagination. And after I finished it, I was like, whoo, shit. <laughs> I'm like, wait, they can't put that on there. I'm like, the ugly. <laughs> I mean, like, reading, reading an academic book is some shit. I, I probably will never, I probably will never read another academic book I write ever again. I'll let somebody else do it. I'll leave it to the pros. I'll leave it to the pros. You should. I mean, it really, I honestly, it brought a, another life. The book was already good on its own, but to actually hear you read it 
I think it just made us feel like we were transported into your classroom and, and you were giving this wonderful lecture. And I have to say that it really, reading it made me really want to go back to school because <laughs> you started talking about Kiese's book. I'm like, we read that book. Mm-hmm. We talked to the man. Yeah. But when you, when you were writing about long division. I felt so dumb. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just like, what did he think of us in the interview? Like, what the fuck did we miss? Like, how did we miss a lot of this stuff? And it was just amazing to read you break that book down like the way that you did. And it was just like, this made me want to go back and re- yeah. Yeah, I always want to go back and reread his stuff. But that particular section of your book said, y'all need to take another look. Y'all, y'all miss it. No, that I need to take another look because it was, I mean, like I read, I, I analyzed the first edition like the first version the second version i was just like so like i mean like i remember i remember somebody reaching out and was like oh i'm reading chronicle stankonia and i'm on the ksa layman chapter should i read long division first and i'm like yo read the first version Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it what i mean like I guess it kind of makes sense with the second version. I mean, like a lot of the, lot of like a lot of the major things. I guess I was talking about still makes sense, but it's like, yeah, no. I'm mean, like, I'm, I have to. I'm like, you know, if they ever ask me to do like a, a, a re, what is it? Um, you do like the little ten year anniversary shit. It's like they, you know, they re, uh, republish it or or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to redo that chapter. Cause it's like it's totally it's a totally different book. I even if you redo it, you could still say this is this is the this is what he he did differently. Like you could add um, you, because for me, I ended up buying both. I had to get both versions because I, I, I got both versions too. Yeah, how he first wrote it and then the revision, and you just are just like, what happened? <laughs> right, right. I thought I knew what I was. Ta- I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you you definitely flipped it. Um, I I believe that a sign of a great artist is one where there is a very apparent evolution in their music by embracing the desire to try their hands in in genre bending or infusing forms of music. And it feels that when these transitions happen, people will first complain about the change. Yep. And eventually, if the music proves to be good, we'll fall in line. Yeah. Yep. Um, as as you watch Outcasts make these transitions with uh locating where who they were on the map of their individual lives as well as where they fail as a collective, did you mm-hmm. ever have trouble figuring out if you loved the music when you first heard it? No. Mm-hmm. You knew what it was. I knew what it was. I, I thought I knew what it was gonna be. <laughs> um, I mean, like, you know, I didn't really get deep in the outcast until Equimini. So it was like, you know, I had to go back and listen to AT Aliens and Southern Playlistic. But I mean, like, you know, Equimini for it, I was always, I was in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I think though with, a lot of folks were mad that I didn't spend as much time on um, Speaker Box and The Love Below. I just feel like that's the one album that everybody knows. Like that's the the main crossover because it won the Grammy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I was like, y'all don't really pay attention to the other, the rest of the rest of the catalog. Like, you can't appreciate Speaker Box and Love Below and what that evolution means if you don't know mm-hmm. Southern Playlistic. 
ATM is, equipment I stink on you. You know what I'm saying? So um, I had to like, I literally wrote that section of that chapter in like a day and a half. I was like, I'm not, I'm not spending time on this. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause when folks, when folks do do outcast scholarship, that's where they go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, like folks are familiar with that. I want to make sure that folks understand why, why folks love that. Look at the rest of the catalog. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who didn't know anything about Erica Badu. Oh. And I was just kind of like, you can't start where she is at right now. No. You have to start at the you have to start at the beginning and just watch that transition into Take your ass to Baduism. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you gotta go there. You gotta go there before the lie, before the Tyrone, before everything that you know of her walking down the street, no clothes on. Like you gotta go to the very beginning. And mm. it's really important because you will appreciate that music way more when you see like, oh, this is where this is how they sounded. You know, this is what they thought. Cause you know, sometimes you see people change their thought process yeah. and their system throughout their music, you know, evolution. So yeah, I get that. But when you know, you know, and, and I'm glad to know that you appreciate the evolutions of anyone. I mean, you know, and I'm like that, and I'm like, they constantly were telling us, they were like, we don't want to sound like the last, mm-hmm. the last album. And they don't, mm-hmm. those albums sound completely different. None of them sound the same which you know begs the question if outcast was to come out today would we appreciate them like that and i i'm on the fence man like i don't i'm not sure because one we don't necessarily do concept albums now so when they do come out people lose their shit you know what i'm saying the other part of that too is like we don't have the attention span to really appreciate it now Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's kind of like you know when folks release an album now, like you stream it and you can just, I'm gonna pick track two, seven, if it goes up to seven, two, seven, and like nine. And it's like, you know, you miss out on so many things. And I think that's the reason that we're so obsessed with folks like Kendrick, right? Is that he gives you an album you really can't skip. You have to listen to the whole fucking album to really appreciate the genius behind it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I mean, like, you know, that I mean, I, I think about that. Um, I mean, like, I think about that when I teach this outcast class. Like, is it relevant? You know what I'm saying? To us, your your body of work is a true testament of the subversive nature of Southern Black writers. Oh, you wow. have discussed, you know, Kiese and Jasmine Ward's books, among many other, to explore this narrative. First of all, how do you feel being able to align yourself with all of these people? Secondly, how is it important that the recognition of these stories is the foundation or can be considered as the foundation of the Black literary canon of this country? Ooh, um, I don't, I don't see myself as, <laughs> that's a very elite club that uh, Key and Mimi are in. Um, I don't think I've reached that level yet. Um, but, you know, I did want to make sure that I offered a different framework for thinking about their work um because their work's not going anywhere their work is canonical Mm -hmm. um I also but the flip side of that too is I feel like there is an intentional dismount right like an intention from the canon I can't stand the canon I I hate teaching it um because I just feel like it's so it's very elitist it stops mostly in like the 1980s (laughs) um 
you know, it's not the, it's not the people that I was, that, I mean, like I grew up reading. I mean, like, of course I knew like the classics, you know what I mean? But I wasn't reading Toni Morrison. I wasn't reading these folks. I was reading Mildred Taylor. I was reading, you know what I'm saying? Claudia Tate. I was reading, um, I mean, I was pretty much reading whatever I can get my hands on, but I just, I know in particular I was reading, like, but those folks aren't in the canon, right? And I think this is something that I struggle with as an academic um, and as 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 a bibliophile to an extent is like, you know, I don't want to over academize things that don't need to be in the academy because I feel like they lose their um, their sacredness to an extent. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the flip side of that is, is that when people do, you know, discover these folks is like they try to use all these different tools that take away from why these folks are dope in the first place. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I just wanted to um, provide some tools to help understand Southern Blackness from a Southern Black perspective. There's no shit like that. You know what I mean? Um, and not no shit like that in terms of, you know, it doesn't exist. I mean, like it's slowly coming together, but I mean, like in terms of a contemporary Southern Black experience, there is very little, very, lots of folks think that, you know, the civil rights movement, that's it. That is the apex of modernity. It's like, this is, you know, this is the contemporary South. And those of us that were born and, and raised in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, we like, well, where do we fit? We didn't right. get into the civil rights movement. We didn't, I didn't experience segregation like that. I didn't experience, you know, the, the fight like that. I experienced the aftermath. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I experienced the expectation that I had to be fucking perfect, right. exceptional, mm -hmm. because the movement happened. Like, but we don't, we don't have those conversations. You know what I mean? And I think that's why Southern hip hop is so crucial to these discussions of the movement and the aftermath mm -hmm. of the movement is because we're asking these questions. What happens if education is not my move? Right. Mm -hmm. What happens if I can't find a job? What happens if I did everything you told me to do and I still can't get no goddamn job? <laughs> I, still, I still can't do these things that I was promised. You know what I mean? And and our, you know, our culture, our writers, they ask those questions that, you know, older generations, they they don't like us asking them questions. You know what I'm saying? Um, but they're necessary. They're necessary. Um, and I think that they're necessary because now we have, we have, you know, there are multiple generations of post-civil rights Southerners now, multiple, multiple generations, right? It's like, you got them folks who are in the media aftermath who came up in the seventies. You got like, you know, like me, I, I was born in the eighties, raised in the nineties, you know what I mean? Um, and now there are students out here who were born in the early two thousands that are like, we don't, we didn't, we don't know about the source. We don't know about, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So there are so many blocks that we need to put on the bridge to make it walkable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I just feel like I'm one of the folks who are trying to trying to do that. You know what I mean? And I'm not the first and, and I'm, I'm damn sure I hope I'm not the last. You know what I'm saying? But I just wanted to make sure that I gave something like I gave something to the to the conversation and, and hopefully Chronicles Stankonia starts the conversation. I mean, I end the book with that. I'm like, I don't want to be the only one talking about Outkast. I don't want to be the only one talking about Southern rap. That would do a huge disservice to the culture. But I'm mean, like, there's room at the table. Come eat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. 
I, I I'm glad what you 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 talked about like the different generations that have come up since the civil rights movement. Because even within my own immediate family, with between all of my siblings and I, we all were born at different points. Yeah. So my sister, who she and I are 17 years different, was born in 62. Mm-hmm. My brother was born in 69, and I came 10 years later in 79. So we've all experienced different waves of it, as well as having parents who live born in 35 and 38, who right. lived through the Jim Crow right. and all of that stuff. So, you know, those are different phases. And then having children come up and just watching them grow, watching my, my nieces and my nephews experience life way differently. Than way different. Yeah. Way differently. And watching now their children coming up and it, it will be something different. And I think when what you're talking about, uh, those conversations of like, you know, you got to go to school and you got to do this when you when you finish high school, you got to go to college changed for me when I started working in high school. Mm. And I realized like this one way ain't just the only way. The way, yeah, yeah. And then even the only way that we've been told, like you said, not always give, you mm. know, the gains don't always come from it as you think that it should. And yeah. you know, watching children who, you know, suffer from anxiety attacks and breakdowns because they didn't make it through that first year. You mm. know, I even had one of my students, oh, went to Albany and she came back the the next year and we had a long conversation because she was just like I didn't know what to do I didn't know what I what I was doing there I didn't know if this was where I was supposed to be and I had another young lady who went and was there for like a week and came back and then having to deal with the older generation asking them what's going on where you're going why right. you're not going back to school and how those conversations shouldn't be happening at at that level it should be like well let me help you figure out hmm. where you want to be and how we can get there right. right and i think your work even though you are talking about hip-hop you're talking about the south you're talking about all of those things necessary to that conversation and i just want to say thank you for writing this book because it was it was it's necessary for us to talk about these things on a regular basis because our world is forever changing as well as trying to go back to where we don't want to be right yeah. um I mean, it's that's just the south though man we're always going to have one foot in the past like i just it don't matter if it's 2158 or 1998 or 1888 it's like we're always going to have that one one foot in the past you know what i'm saying um you know, and folks are always talking about the future, the future, but you know, that's why we struggle to get footing in the present. It's like, we're always trying to look ahead or look at, you know, we don't focus on that. But I mean, like, you know, I I feel that though. Like, I I mean, I talk to my own students and and I have a lot of students who are, you know, who have anxiety, severe anxiety, right? Um, You know, I have the ones who overachieved. I was one of the overachievers. Um, I thought I was going to lose my shit when I got my first C in college. I was like, oh God, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose hope. I'm going to lose. I mean, like, you know, I went, I literally went down this spiral. You know what I'm saying? Um, and a lot of students have that immense pressure on themselves to be, um, exceptional. You know what I'm saying? And college, I just feel like college ain't meant to be exceptional, man. Like college, you're supposed to figure out what you want to do you're supposed to you're supposed to fuck up like you know what i'm saying you're supposed to figure it out and it's like and it, it, that's on so many levels i'm not even just talking about like academics like i talk to these kids and i'm like i mean you, you're supposed to start making your own choices like you know i tell my freshmen my fresh my, well, my fresh people 
like French people. I'm like, yo, if you're thinking about shit the same way you did in August, the same way in May, you didn't do it right. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't do it right. Like it, something has to, something has to change. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you know, it's different when you're living under the roof of, of the, of your guardians or, you know, or your grownups, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but when you get that, you know, especially as a, as a, southern black girl who was raised hella christian you know what i mean like you know that first week freshman orientation week changed my life i was like well what do you mean what do you mean you you know before there was netflix and chill you came over to the door you want to watch a movie yes ain't going there to watch no goddamn movie (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean you used to dealing with 15 16 17 year old boys you go to college you dealing with 19 20 21 22 year old men like you know what i'm saying it's like, Man. I mean, like I tell myself, like I I laugh, but it's true. It's like you know all them things that we're talked about, like being hoish. You know what I'm saying? In high school, that's pregame in college. It's like, yeah. But then like we, I'm like, oh, what do you mean that's pregame? Like I don't want you to think that I'm a hoe, and they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. And then like squirt your ass out and call the next girl who'll be like, and you wondering like what what am I not doing? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what am I not doing? Why aren't you appreciating me being a good, clean Christian girl? I mean, contrary to popular belief, most folks ain't going to college to find, find you know, married, marriage. Right. You know, I got fucked up. I found my car. I found my husband when I was 20. He took me out to get early. <laughs> if you're a good Christian girl. I, I, well, at the time I had broke that streak when I met my husband. Uh, but... <laughs> But I mean, it's true, yo. It's like, you know what I mean? But I mean, like, you know, that's why I'm like, y'all have to, you have to live for yourself. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that low key is one of the biggest challenges of being in the South. Mm -hmm. You live for everybody else, but you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as, 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 you know, women identify folks, we live for everybody else, but us. Yeah. Yeah. If I fuck up, it's not just my fuck up. It's a stain on the whole family. Mm-hmm. it's a domino mm-hmm. effect mm-hmm. yeah and you just kind of like you know and, and they won't let you live it down either They're like well you oh. remember when you did so and so and you just gonna be like but ma'am i'm almost 40 i was 17 when i did that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. people don't forget yeah. but like i said that's in the new book i'm working on so <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for that can't wait for juicy that. juicy <laughs> so when when you think about the country as, as a whole and um and you think about what the South has to say, do you do you feel like they get it now? Do you feel like they're still struggling to understand? Yeah, I feel like there's still a struggle to understand because folks think South means everybody under one, like some kumbaya shit. And I'm like, it's not. Mm-hmm. The South ain't a monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just, we're not. You know what I mean? We have common threads, but we don't have cookie cutter experiences. Um, and a lot of folks wish that we did because it'll make it so much easier to diss us. You know what I mean? Yeah. The South is complicated, man. It's complicated. Of course, there's trauma. Of course, there's white supremacy. Of course, there's all these things. But there's also those things that you don't understand because you're not wanting to. Mm-hmm. The joy. The joy in being a Southerner. Nobody's like us. We we hit different. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's like us. Um, nobody is a cultural genius like us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean I mean like nobody protests in a radical tradition like us but all of that gets pushed aside huh 
no one calls the bullshit out like like we do. Shit out like a southerner. You know what I mean? We don't. It depends on if we like you or not. If we like you, we will lay you down gentle. <laughs> oh, honey, <laughs> that's, that's a shame, Sugarfoot. <laughs> <laughs> that's not it's, right. It's an art. It's an art. Yeah. Or if we don't like you, hey, hey, cuz that's some bullshit. That mm -hmm. bring that bullshit over here. <laughs> Make it plain. Read you to fill. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, the South is complicated. Folks don't like the South being complicated because apparently that takes the shine away from everybody else that's more sophisticated. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, y'all just, y'all just as racist, if not worse than us. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Folks be like, oh, the Klan. I'm like, the Klan started in Indiana. Yes. Yes. Indiana. Indiana. You're talking about what? The Midwest? Midwest. The Midwest. Midwest. So I just, you know, yeah, we, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now we have come to the part of our conversation that I, I particularly like the most. And we ask everybody, no matter All if right. you're a writer, a musician, artist, we want to know your top five. And given the conversation, we would like to know your top five most favorite Southern writers of all time. Now, now we know that this could just be- or or. A list, you know, just for today could change. But we also like to give you an alternate question if that one's too hard. Okay. What are your top five favorite Southern writers that you're excited that you want people to know about today? Or a combination of both. Yeah, I like the combination of both. Let's see. Oh. Jasmine Ward, favorite of all time. PSA is a favorite of all time. Mildred Taylor is a favorite of all time. Zora Neale Hurston is a favorite of all time. Oh, Randall Keenan is a favorite of all time. They're my top five. Um, folks that I want people to know about. That's a hard one. That's really good, too. Um, Anna Ray Jeffers. I mean, like, both. You know, I'm like, yeah, she was the Oprah's book club pick, but I mean, like, seriously, sit with all of her work. She she is amazing. Um, John Jennings. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a visual artist, but he does all of it. But his work is just like ridiculously amazing. Um. I don't know it's hard man and the reason that it's hard is because it's like I haven't you know it's been a rough year it's been a rough six months for me a rough couple of rough year for me so I haven't really been reading like that um I just try to you know make it day by day <laughs> mm -hmm. um but I do but I mean like you know she's my favorite one of my favorites of all times but Elnora Tate though I mean like you know The Secret of Gumbo Grove is one of the best books I have ever read in my entire life right it's based in like South Carolina you know what I'm saying um Intozaki Shange isn't southern but Sassafras Cypress and Indigo is like goat shit <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's like it's it's absolutely um phenomenal right um yeah I mean like I just feel like I have so much to catch up on you know what I'm saying um and that's also the plight of an academic our focus is so narrow that we only like focus on this one small little thing. Mm -hmm. So I literally have like 
stacks of books both in my Amazon cart and only and I don't buy from Amazon it just lets me put it all in one place so I can order from somewhere else <laughs> for real like I, I literally used to be like oh I need this 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 right um oh wait Zandria Robinson who's a scholar but the way that she writes man is gosh she is this generation Zora I'm telling you Ooh. she's this generation she is this generation Zora she's this generation's southern hip-hop Zora Zandria Felice Robinson don't have to look into that because Zora is is one of my my top that's my top that's that is my top so she has a tattoo, yeah. I have a tattoo dedicated just I love her. it so. I love it but yeah man Zan Zan is awesome goat shit like she Oh, absolutely powerful. I just, I love her writing. She just, she makes me want to go back to her thinking shit quite often. <laughs> That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, like, you know, off the rip, those are the folks that I wish folks would kind of like get in on. Yeah. Well, like I had said at the top of the hour, just thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with us. This has been a, 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 a pleasure and a treat to be able to share this space to laugh yes. and discuss your work and to discuss the south and our mutual love of being from it and and living in it and and breathing it all of it in every single day um we are excited to see whatever else that you put out into the world and whatever comes next and we just pray and that you just continue to have a successful career uh, we know that this this year has been a is a crazy one but we we pray that you will find stability Thank that you. you'll be able to move to wherever else it is that you're trying to go to and um just thank you for giving a little bit of your life within your writing for us to to hold on to and thank you, thank you for, for saying that you come on the show <laughs> I, I mean i was waiting on my invitation i'm gonna keep saying that <laughs> 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 like all these other dope people been on there. I'm not dope enough yet. All right, we're gonna see. No, no ma'am. We we were just gonna scared. Um, but for real, we we really thank you for sharing all of this knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really I was immersed in it. I in the beginning I was telling Veronica, I'm like, but I don't know nothing, I don't know as much. I like I felt I felt like I was inadequate reading your book. Oh, but, but when I read it, I'm like, oh, she's just like a friend telling me a story. Thank you. You know, and a, a story that I need to learn more about. And then I, after I read it, I'm like, you you did it. Like you Thank did. You. Thank you so you much. Did. That means a lot. That means, I mean, that means a lot. Because <laughs> some folks, you know, some academics fall flat. It's kind of like you have that small little niche. Who know what you're talking about but it really means a lot for folks who both in and outside of the academy to be like yo i read it and that shit hit and i'm like oh, thank god <laughs> <laughs> so thank you thank you so much i mean like your kind words really really mean a lot thank you very much and you know with your with your next creation it won't take us that long of a time to invite you to come back you probably we're gonna see we're gonna see i'm be like okay <laughs> Well, until we meet again, Doctor Bradley, um, just thank you again, and you you be safe out there. Y'all too. Y'all take care. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Right. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Have a good night. Good night. All right.
We hope you enjoyed our show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Vulgar Geniuses. Our theme song that you're not in your head along to was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Dammit. That's S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. See you soon. Deuces. Deuces.